the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. TGIF, Jimmy Sangenberger here with you. News Talk 710 KNUS. Rounding out the week and, of course, back in the saddle tomorrow morning from 6 to 9 here on 710-KNUS. And I will be here from 3 to 4 next week as well. Good to be with you today. 303-696-1971 is our telephone number if you'd like to join in to the festivities. In just a bit, we'll open up the lines as we dive into the issue of last night's debate. You know, on the show yesterday, I said, I didn't see upside for Ron DeSantis, only downside risk. Did he gain any traction? Did it serve him? Was there upside gain for him? I don't know how much downside there ended up being for him, but I don't think he gained anything either by the debate. We'll dive into the Ron DeSantis-Gavin Newsom debate of last night and also a thought I have about a possible presidential ticket for the Republicans that isn't involving a Donald Trump. That'll be coming up in just a bit. If you want to text into the show on the 710 KNUS app on your smartphone, please feel free to do so. Just include your name and town, name and town. If you wish to text in, please. So yesterday we had Rabbi Mintz on to talk about the Jewish National Fund conference happening downtown at the Colorado Convention Center. And... It was a powerful interview. If you missed it, go back and check out the podcast. Thoroughly enjoyed it, and he had some very potent points to raise and and make. Strongly encourage you to check that out. But last night, it was something else. So you had Governor Polis speak with opening remarks. They were okay, but this was really the powerful point for Polis in his speech at the JNF conference last night. Like perhaps some of yours, my great-grandparents came to this country early 20th century to escape the persecution that they faced in Eastern Europe for who they were and what they believed. It's that same persecution and violence and that vicious cycle that's taken so many lives throughout our history, most recently in these heinous attacks. And if anyone asks why the world needs a Jewish state of Israel, the evidence is now more self-evident than ever before. The evidence is now more self-evident than ever before for why the world needs a Jewish state. A very good line, I must say, from Governor Polis. Now, while he and others were speaking inside the Colorado Convention Center, some protesters weren't having it. The pro-Hamas crowd, as one attendee put out in the video here, uh, well, just listen to how they were. That is banging on the windows from outside. I just arrived at the JNF uh, conference, and this is what awaits us. 
as you know, I became their poster child, so definitely not a pleasant feeling to have this. Wow. And they did major damage to at least one window, totally shattered. Just It wasn't broken apart, but you can see on the window it was about to burst. At least that's what it looked like for sure. Somebody who was down there is a guy I've known for, oh, probably a dozen years or more, going back to 2010. He's attended or observed and covered many different protests over the years, including a lot of far-left radical protests. Elliot Fladen, an attorney in Colorado, and himself, Jewish by ethnicity, joins me now here on the program for a discussion to find out what exactly was going on last night and what then the lay of the land would be today and tomorrow. Elliot, welcome to the program. Good to talk with you, my friend. Thank you for having me on. So this was a conference for the Jewish National Fund. For those of your listeners who aren't aware, uh, it's a pretty vanilla organization. They're known most, they're most known for planting trees. This isn't like a defense contractor. They're about as public service oriented as you get. And you would never expect in normal times or with any other group or ethnicity to see anybody protest an organization that plants trees. But when I came to the conference, you had multiple, just to get in, you had to go through the following security. You had to check in at a different next door building. They checked IDs and stuff of the sort that I won't get into. Then if you passed that screening, you had to walk out and exit. And there was a pathway that was fortified in the following manners. Uh, there was a fencing on each side. If I remember correctly, there was concrete barricades. There were police officers, and there, were po- there was a line of police cars that blocked it, blocked it, people from getting in. There may have been a second line of concrete barricades. I can't remember. So you'd get past that entry line after passing the initial security screening, then you'd make it into the conference center itself, and there would be additional screening to get in at that point. Inside the conference center, again, for an organization that plants trees, uh, nondescript, uh, at one point, I think there was you know, somewhere between 75 to 200 armed SWAT and other police officers from multiple jurisdictions around the Denver metro area, and not just armed, heavily armed. And this is what it took just to have a conference for an organization that plants trees in Israel. That's remarkable to me. I remember in 2016, after Trump clinched the nomination in his first run for the presidency, the successful one, he had spoken at the Western Conservative Summit at the convention center. I remember being there, and I remember the security was very substantial, as you would expect, for a nominee, major party nominee for president. But what you're describing, by comparison, goes well beyond anything that I recall from 2016. I can't recall anything like this. And and here we're talking about an organization, as you say, that plants trees. Of course, their convention was supporting Israel and so forth. But still, that's all this organization is. That's all it was about. And then you had this, again, this kind of dynamic. Just astonishing. Go ahead. So before they, you know, I knew they were coming. And I talked to a news reporter. I talked to some of the police officers. They said there was multiple different organizations that were coming from a film screening at our area campus, and they're going to march down. 
Uh, but there was like a pre-group that arrived beforehand. I think it was the Denver Communists or it was some organization. And I don't mean that, you know, as figuratively, literally, I think there were the communist organization in Denver. And they had a sign out. Uh, I, I Normally I would go across the street and talk to people, but I actually did not feel safe having this conversation because of what I was told before going outside. And the sign said globalize the intifada, if I remember correctly. I think I sent you that photo. Globalize and, the intifada. Yeah, I, you have, I sent you the photo. I think that's right. Uh, and, you know, so I, I tried taking a look around what was going on. And before I think Governor Polis spoke around like 830 or so, you know, that's when all these different marchers from, I think, Auraria and other locations converged on the convention center and started banging on the windows. And, you know, it, it, it's interesting because it became a spectacle inside. Once they started banging on the windows, they had, remember I said there was multiple checkpoints for security and they had officers inside. They started redeploying all these SWAT officers in a line in front of the windows because as if they were afraid they, that the protesters could break through the windows. I talked to one of the officers and, you know, I've mentioned to him that I have some experience being inside a security bubble or two for other people and that this is the, but I actually had never experienced security like this, even with those occasions being taken into account. And this officer told me that every single person at that conference they were viewing as a protectee, that they were all there to protect the hundreds, if not thousands of people that were there for this conference. Again, for plant, an organization that plants trees. And, but the thing that was remarkable, as much noise as they were making, people maybe snapped a few photos and were watching and onlooking. If you went inside, when you got into the, I think it was the Belco Theater, to hear the speeches, to hear Governor Polis' opening remarks, you wouldn't have even known they were there. You couldn't hear them once you were inside the theater. So it definitely, to me, and I think to other people who attended, Governor Polis had that one line that you mentioned in the opening remarks, that, that, that clip you highlighted, that now more than ever, the case for this, why there needs to be a state of Israel, it's more self-evident. It's self-evident. And that is, I think, the takeaway from this. The protesters did not succeed in disrupting the event, did not succeed in intimidating people from going to the event, even though they banged drums, shattered windows, and tried snapping pictures of people going inside. What they did was remind the attendees, including people like myself who normally would never be caught dead at a JNF event. It's not my theme. But I'm there, and I went there, and other people were there who would normally not go because they see this anti-Semitism, they see this racism, they see this discriminatory targeting and double, a different standard for Israel over any other country. And they know that they got to stand up because we know where this dehumanization and this delegitimization of the Jewish people leads to. We saw that in the 1930s. And those of us who have studied it learned the lesson never again. Real briefly, Elliot Flayden, so then would you say that whatever goals the protesters had, which was clearly related to intimidation, they just flat out were not successful. And it gives indications that going into today and tomorrow, the next two days of this conference, that they will not be successful. They are not intimidating. People are showing up and they're speaking out. They're making their voices heard and they're moving ahead. And we got folks from around the world, including Israel, that are here in Denver. And they're saying we are moving ahead with our event. So to me, it just seems like whatever those goals were, they're not achieving those goals. It's, the, it, it's, it's even worse than that for them. It's the exact opposite. I wouldn't have gone. I would even thought of going. There you to go. Them. If not for these protesters, if not for this coming, 
other people that I was talking with last night wouldn't have thought of going to this event but for this. Other people who couldn't go for a variety of reasons and wouldn't have cared that it was going on, wouldn't have tuned in or asked for updates but for these protesters. They, the people in the communities I run in, see these protesters, and although they have cliched slogans which don't check out, what they don't see is any truth. Mike, the groups I run don't see truth in those slogans. What we see is anti-Semitism. We see discriminatory targeting, and we have learned the lessons of the past. And those lessons are never again. Mm. When you see this kind of blood libel, you stand up. And so I ask your listeners, you know, I, I don't believe in Judaism. I'm ethnically Jewish, but my kids are not Jewish. My, my wife's Mexican. You know, I don't have as much of a bone in this fight as some of the other people who have Jewish kids. But I've learned my lesson of history. There's many people who are not Jewish who know their history, who know what happened. I urge your listeners to take a stand and stand for Israel and stand against this anti-Semitism. Very well said, Elliot. Now, I want to piggyback off of a point that you raised. You are not religious by any stretch of the imagination. But my question isn't about that. It's more about have you seen many others who are non-religious Jews by background, by ethnicity, by family, so on and so forth, who are getting engaged, who are more involved. I've talked with a number of non-religious Jews who are in that exact boat. They are galvanized by this. Are you noticing that as well? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Look, I mean, it's no secret to some of your listeners. I have and will always remain a never-Trumper. But I have so many friends of mine, so many contacts that voted Democrat or support, have supported Democrats in the past who have told me that they are hoping for a Trump win because of this. Now, I don't agree with them. I'm telling you this not as somebody who supports or hopes that Trump's going to win the election, but that, they, that people see this. They see what's going on in the progressive woke left, how the Democrat Party, how with, with their, not just the Democrat Party itself, but its other institutional, quasi-institutional arms like CU Boulder, which you have covered, are acting in a racially discriminatory manner towards Jews, in a dehumanizing manner towards Jewish groups, where a simple tree-planting group needs to have presidential-level security just to have a convention. And they have said, enough. we cannot have a repeat of the 1930s. We yeah. must stand up. And again, I urge your listeners, even if they're not Jewish, if they don't have any Jewish family, don't have any Jewish friends, if they want to stand against woke racism, against woke discrimination, against the, the dehumanization of the most discriminated group in human history, the Jewish people, please stand with Israel right now because it needs their support. Uh, I want to bring up two final things before we let you go, Elliot Flayden. Uh, one, the vandalism that happened. We all know about the famous blue bear outside the convention center where they gr- put graffiti markings on it and also splattered red paint, which signifies blood, really putting imagery to the blood libel trope that you referenced. But then also uh, tomorrow, I know that there will be folks, right, that will be standing up um, and making their voices heard in the afternoon at the convention center. If you want to talk about that, uh, please feel free. So my understanding is there is a protest against – I, I call pro Hamas. They're going to view themselves as an anti-Israel protest. I view that as the same thing, starting not at the convention center but from reading their postings at the state capitol at 1 o'clock p.m. I am hoping to be there. I don't know how many people will be there. Myself, if I'm alone, fine, with a sign, 
saying that at least dissenting that that Israel will not stand undefended. The Jewish people, that there is not the people of my kids, will not stand undefended. That I will stand up, even though it is not my descendants who are at risk. I see what is coming, and I must stand for truth. I must stand for justice, and I urge your listeners to consider the same. So at 12:50 at the state capitol, I'm hoping to be there on the other side of the street. If anybody feels empowered or courageous enough to join me, please do. And let's let's be clear, though, of course, for folks that there are safety concerns in any of this. Um, In fact, you were telling me you've been to many different protests. Like I said, far left protests. You've been surrounded by a thousand union members before poking the bear a little bit. And yet, by comparison, how safe did you feel last night? I felt safer when I was surrounded by a thousand people back in like 2010 or 11 than I did last night. That is, there is, there's something different about what is going on. There is more, there is a more of an the ends justify the means attitude. Maybe it's the Students for a Democrat Society that's being re- reinstituted. Maybe it's the Party for uh, for Socialism and Liberation, their attitude, or the the outright communists, but. I, I've had message. I actually had message sent to me this morning from an anonymous person, you know, daring me to come and protest them today, and that they'll apparently attack me if this is the implicit message of it. Uh, if I do, and no, I won't be intimidated. But people need to be aware that if they do show up, you know, tomorrow to stand for Israel at 12:50 is when I'm hoping to be at the state capitol. Please don't come armed. Don't come looking for a fight. Be peaceful. Yeah. Counter protest. We need to standing. Standing for standing for justice does not mean picking fights. Does not mean wow. violence. Yeah. means standing for truth. Truth. Yeah. Well, be safe out there, Elliot. That's for darn sure. Thank really you. appreciate you uh, sharing some perspective on the dynamics and and what's at play down at the Colorado Convention Center for the Jewish National Fund Conference. Appreciate your time. Have a good weekend. Be safe. Thank you. Thank you. Once again, Elliot Fladen joining us here on seven ten KNUS. You heard it. He was surrounded. By a thousand people in 2010, 2011. I remember that. And was poking the bear. I, you know, that's what he, he would do. And even then, he felt safer than last night around that crowd. With all that security present. Just let that sink in. 303-696-1971, our telephone number. Your thoughts, of course, are welcome on this. But I've got some takeaways from last night's debate, red state versus blue state debate. Almost sounds like a Dr. Seuss book, right? Red state versus blue state debate between Ron DeSantis and Gavin Newsom. What are your thoughts as well? We'll get to that coming up. 303-696-1971 and the 710-KNUS app. Be sure to text in name and town, name and town. If you want to do so, please keep it right here. News Talk 710-KNUS. Can't go wrong with Booker T and the MGs doing that. Green Onions. Best bumper music known to man. Jimmy Sangenberger here with you. Grooving along on News Talk 710-KNUS. My thanks again to Elliot Fladen for joining us on what happened last night downtown at the convention center at the Jewish National Fund Conference. Again, this is a guy who's been in many, many protests, including from far-left activists and the unions and so forth. He's surrounded by a 1,000 people 10, 12 years ago, and he said, I 
he, that he was more fearful last night than ever before at anything else. And the security presence was more than anything I've ever seen before, more than the Western Conservative Summit in 2016 when Trump came and spoke. That says a lot. But last night was the big debate, the great red state versus blue state debate. It is a new Dr. Hannity Seuss book coming out. Of course, Sean Hannity was the moderator. By the way, I have to say this. He did a phenomenal job, honestly, on the whole. Not perfect, but quite phenomenal. Moderating that debate and being fair about it, too, to Gavin Newsom when he's ideologically aligned with Ron DeSantis. It showed that he's willing to have that fairness, to bring that sort of discussion. In that respect, it was a good debate. It had some good merit to it. And Hannity did a mighty fine job with the difficult balancing act. Now, last night was interesting. The sparks flew between a guy who's running for president. That would be Ron DeSantis and a guy who could run for president, although he denies it. Here's a little bit of the sound from the debate. There's one thing in closing that we have in common is neither of us will be the nominee for our party in 2024. You have six or seven dollar a gallon gas. How do they how do they afford that? These are folks that are blue collar people. You're going to force everybody to buy an electric vehicle. How are they going to be able to afford electric vehicles? I don't like the way you demean people. I don't like the way you demean the LGBTQ community. I don't like the way you demean and humiliate people you disagree with, Ron. You have the freedom to defecate in public in California. You have the freedom to pitch a tent on Sunday. Set Boulevard. You have the freedom to create a homeless encampment under a freeway and even light it on fire. You have the, the freedom to uh, have an open air drug market and use drugs. So DeSantis had some good lines. And I would say the second half of the debate was much better for him than the first half. Newsom dominated the first half. DeSantis brought it much more in the second half. But how well did he actually perform? Did he move the needle? or garner any actual tangible benefits from the debate. Here's Ari Fleischer, former White House press secretary, in that regard. Gavin Newsom is much more articulate, fast on his feet, and sharper than Joe Biden. And if I'm a Democrat looking at the presidential race, even if I dismiss Ron DeSantis, I have to still worry about Joe Biden. And that's a difference in in just Biden's age, Sean, as you pointed that out. The final thing I'll say about DeSantis, I don't think that he closed the gap with Donald Trump tonight. It was a nice night for him, and he did well, and he had the facts on his side. But when you look at the purpose of him being there, which is to win a presidential race, I just don't think he closed the gap. I don't either. So I talked yesterday about how I thought there was a lot of downside risk for DeSantis, and I do believe that there was a lot of downside risk. That is to say... He could have crumbled as a result of that debate if Newsom cleaned his clock or there was the perception that Newsom did, that he didn't bring it well enough. It, I think, really depends on when you tuned in and how much you tuned in. If it was that first half of the debate, I really don't think that DeSantis did well. I was watching it and, and honestly, my impression was, is he ready for prime time? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he's ready for that Debate mano a mano against Trump if it were to happen or debate mano a mano against a Democrat nominee, 
I mean, he'd probably fare quite well against Joe Biden. I'll give him that. But it did raise questions about not his ability to be president. In fact, I think Ron DeSantis has the potential to be a tremendous president. He's a very good governor down in Florida. He understands how to govern. He is sort of a technocrat so we can get into the weeds and really be hands-on as a leader and so forth. But you got to be a politician effectively in order to get elected and then serve as president. So I don't think he did well in the first half. If you just watched the first half, you didn't get a great impression. Second half, very different story. He brought it much better. And I like to see that. Although I do say, speaking really critically here, you can notice some of that nervous laughter and the smile that he would bring during some of Newsom's attacks. It showed a level of discomfort that Newsom didn't have. There was a sense, there's one piece that I was reading, there are a lot of, of course, reactions to this debate. And in one piece by a guy named Colby Hall for Mediaite, He said, I can see why both DeSantis's and Newsom's camps are pleased. In my humble opinion, Newsom came off as sharper and better prepared, quicker on his feet and landing tighter jabs. By the way, I tend to agree with that on the whole. And this is not about policy. Newsom's a liar and he made all sorts of mistakes. DeSantis did well, but seemed to be weighted down by the pressure of performing well, given his current standing in GOP polls. Newsom doesn't have that weight in his shoulders and appeared overall more relaxed. I would agree with that. I think Newsom appeared far more relaxed than DeSantis, largely because of that lack of pressure on Newsom, of course, compared to DeSantis, who is running for president and isn't the most charismatic guy. Now, the one other thing, and then we'll get to calls at 303-696-1971. The one other thing that I would note is I said yesterday I was concerned about the downside risk for DeSantis. I don't think he came out scathed so much. I think he came out okay, that it was a wash for him. I don't see much benefit for him. I don't think he gained any ground or closed the gap, to use Ari Fleischer's term. But he didn't hurt himself. And that, I think, is at least good enough. It makes you wonder, was there value in him doing the debate or not in that regard as a presidential candidate? That's an open question. I'm not sure. But he didn't hurt himself. And that would be encouraging. Again, I think he's got some challenges as a politician from a politician standpoint. But that he would be, Ron DeSantis, a great president of the United States if he were given the opportunity by the American people. Let's go to Lewis in Aurora. Good afternoon, Lewis. How the heck are you, brother? Uh, Great, Jimmy. Hey, you know, I watched it. And from the very beginning, Newsom came off as a creep to me. And DeSantis, he spoke to the people. You saw DeSantis speaking to the camera where Newsom hardly ever looked at the camera. He was just focusing on uh, DeSantis. And oh, just, you know what? Uh, Ari Fleischer, I think, made a point about that. I think it was Ari Fleischer. It might have been somebody else, maybe maybe um, uh, Mark Penn. But 
made the point that DeSantis never made eye contact with Newsom, whereas Newsom constantly made eye contact with DeSantis. I actually think that's a good thing. I think there should be more of a mix, but I think it's actually a pretty good thing to make eye contact with your opponent. And it doesn't look as good if you are. It makes you feel or seem a little bit more fearful. So I'm really intrigued by your comment because I actually think DeSantis should have made a lot more eye contact with Newsom than he did. No, but because, remember, DeSantis is running for president, so he's speaking to the people. He doesn't want to, I mean, Newsom is such a greasy guy and such a liar. And, and, you know, and his smirks and his smiles and all that. And, again, you know, he he diverted uh, uh, answering any question, almost any question that uh, Sean Hannity had come back and said, well, let me ask it a different so, way. So, Lewis, okay. let, me, let me say I agree with you, particularly as a conservative looking at Newsom. However, he is very slick and in a way where I actually think it would come across fairly well to a middle-of-the-road voter compared to a Republican who's seeing right through it. That Newsom is charismatic in a way that DeSantis is not. And look, I'm being... Very critical here and looking at this with a critical eye. This is not me. Listener texted in saying, um, so you don't like Trump and you don't like DeSantis. Who do you like, Jimmy, Nikki Haley or Chris Christie or Biden? That was George in Westminster. I like DeSantis. <laughs> I'd be totally cool with him as president. Uh, I like him a lot. But I, I think that there, that there were some things that Newsom brought that I wish as traits DeSantis had, Lewis. Well, I mean, I mean, like what? I could I, I I mean charisma uh, I guess well, I know charisma. he's slick but but at the same well, time Newsom brought a, a charisma that I didn't see from DeSantis and it just as I expected I wouldn't well and and the thing is uh, Newsom knew that he was going to lie through the whole play through the whole time so that's what his charisma is all about lying to the people Trying and, to make and, them and welcome, understand. Welcome to politics, Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. But but DeSantis, you know, I, I liked because again he looked at you. He looked at you. Sure. Except, I mean, looking at the you know, we saw the debates, okay, and they're shouting at each other and looking at each other and Harley looking at the camera and looking straight okay. ahead. Okay, you're talking to me. You're talking to me. You want to convince me to vote for you. Mm. So forget Fair about point, this guy Lewis. with the greasy hair. And, mm. <laughs> and, and well, here's the, here's the other thing, though, from DeSantis is a lot of times when Newsom would level a, an attack frequently unfair against him, he would have DeSantis a, a nervous laugh and he'd give this smile. And, and I don't think that that came across particularly well. Well, no. I mean, but DeSantis was is not as bad as uh, Kamala Harris when well, she gets all nervous. That's true. That she does the cackle. Yeah, for sure. Now, yeah. Lewis, do you think that Ron DeSantis gained anything by doing the debate last night? Did he lose anything, or was it sort of a wash? It was just something he did. I think he got he gained a little bit. I think. I mean, like I'm, I'm saying to you, he talked to me. He was looking at me when he looked straight at the camera. Newsom 
hardly looked at the camera, you know, and he really didn't uh, uh, talk to me. Newsom was talking to DeSantis. All he right. wasn't talking to me. And sure. I know he's not, he says he's not running for president. Okay, we'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll see about that. Big chance, big chance that they slot him in at the convention, that Biden decides, you know what, I'm out. Let's do something at the convention. It would be a raucous convention. We've never seen anything like it before. Uh, well, I mean, in decades, rather. Um, but it would be interesting to see Newsom and others figure it out at the convention. And I think there's a good chance that might be what happens. Lewis, thanks for the call. Appreciate it, brother. Have a great weekend. All right, brother. You too. Bye. Our 303-696-1971, our telephone number. Keep the text coming as well. What did you make of... The debate last night, did Ron DeSantis gain ground? Am I being too critical of DeSantis? Am I being too easy on Gavin Newsom, despite all the lies and misrepresentations and all the spin that he brought last night? 303-696-1971. You're listening to Jimmy Sangenberger, News Talk, 710 KNUS. Jimmy Sangenberger here with you. Great Christmas bumper music from Eric Clapton doing his take on a classic Christmas blues tune, Lonesome Christmas. And I felt like bringing on a little bit of harmonica. It's been a while since I've played along with a bumper. Gotta love it, by the way, is from his album, Happy Xmas, that came out several years ago a great album from eric clapton good to be with you news talk 710 knus i'll be back here next week hosting again from three until four and of course tomorrow morning from six to nine you've got the jimmy sangenberger show so be sure to tune in then we will have in studio mike peterson the now resigned president of the Douglas County School Board. And we're going to get into some behind-the-scenes stuff, some interesting things as we talk with him. 
Our telephone number, if you want to join in to the final moments of today's program, 303-696-1971. You can text in on the 710K and US app on your smartphone. Name in town, name in town if you wish to text in. Here's a little bit more of the sounds of the great red state versus blue state debate between Ron DeSantis and Gavin Newsom. It's also important to respect parental rights to know what curriculum is being used in the classroom, and everything should be age appropriate. I actually have something that I brought that some parents have objected to. So this is a book that's in some of the schools in California. Florida, this is not consistent with our standards, called Gender Queer. I, it's, some of it's blacked out. You would not probably be able to put this on air. This is pornography. This is a ginned-up, made-up issue to divide this country. You talk about dividing this country? This is part of the culture war, the weaponization of grievance. This is part okay. using education. Well, We're focusing on math, science. We're focusing on reimagining our school We're system. We're going to get to education He's criminalizing next. teachers so, and criminalizing librarians. Check out They've the wrong book. You had more kids locked out of school for a longer period of time in California than anywhere else in the country. It was the working class kids. It was the middle income kids. His kids were in private school. They were in class. We have one of the best records under COVID, during COVID. And again, you didn't answer to the fact you had more learning loss. Ron DeSantis had more learning loss during COVID. Fourth grade reading, fourth grade math, eighth grade reading, eighth grade math. We outperformed you. Some interesting sound indeed. My take is I don't think DeSantis ended up losing any ground. I don't think he gained anything by the debate, though, but I was concerned about the downside risk. There's an interesting piece by Aaron DeCourt over at The Federalist, why GOP voters saw the debate differently than DeSantis superfans. And he wrote this observation. If you are wearing the GOP hat, maybe you didn't see it the same way, as opposed to a DeSantis jersey. You saw a presidential candidate that had some shades of Marco Rubio circa 2016 getting wrecked by Chris Christie, another friend of mine who really likes DeSantis, compared him to Jeb, by the way, to Jeb Bush, in terms of his onstage performance and so forth. The repetitive talking points, this writer continues, and stats in the face of a full-on frontal assault by Newsom is troublesome. You saw a guy who practiced all the stories he was going to tell last night. Father-in-law, French Laundry, knew some kids uh, in person at private school, and still couldn't tell them well. Quite frankly, he's got a good point. This is my concern about DeSantis from last night. You were thinking, if Trump told these exact same stories, they would have landed with such force that Gavin's White House dreams might have died on that stage last night. You also might be thinking that if Nikki Haley told those same stories, she would have raised millions more dollars for her campaign. You saw a guy with a friendly moderator not be able to shift on the fly and bury Newsom with everything, data, history, and truth that was on his side. You also know that Donald Trump wouldn't need to pull out crumpled paper to embarrass Newsom. He could have told those exact two stories without the props just as effectively. And he adds this, Aaron DeCourt in The Federalist. A friend of mine who wears a GOP hat, not a jersey, texted me, quote, I don't think he is good on his feet during the debate. And he isn't alone in that assessment. GOP hat wearers are very perceptive and watch DeSantis Thursday night, wondering if he has the stand-up skills to go to metaphorical war with whomever is occupying the other podium. I think 
That's a fair analysis. That was my concern. Now we've got Stephen Littleton texting in via the app. Newsom is just an accomplished liar. Didn't lay a glove on DeSantis. See, here's the thing. Newsom didn't really need to lay a glove on DeSantis. Although I would dispute. I think there are some points where it was. But it wasn't that Newsom landed a glove on DeSantis. It was that DeSantis's response to some of these attacks wasn't the way that you should respond. The nervous laughter and the smile and again, I'm, I'm looking at this very critically, but I don't think there's another way to do it if you're being honest and looking at this. Now, George and Westminster adding this text back in to the fray. Gavin Newsom was no better than a swine. DeSantis, I agree with you. He needs to polish up his skills. What scares me is there's enough stupid people, the ones who voted for Biden, who would be happy to put in somebody like Newsom. Okay, I agree with that. But then you go on, George, and I disagree with you here. On the right, there are enough stupid people or uneducated, illiterate people who would be happy to put somebody like Nikki Haley in. In my humble opinion, Nikki Haley doesn't even deserve to be on the stage. Actually, I think she's great. I think Haley or DeSantis would be Uh, alternatives that could shine, be excellent presidents of the United States. They've got key differences. I actually would like, after we see Iowa and New Hampshire, what do you think about this? George, you will not like this idea. But whoever does better stays in the race. The other candidate drops out, becomes the other person's VP. So you have a Haley... DeSantis ticket or a DeSantis Haley ticket. How do you think that kind of ticket would go? Would that encourage you for the other candidate if you're not on board with either of them? Could that help to shore up support to Trump Trump in the battle to become the Republican nominee? And by the way, I do think Nikki Haley performs much better on a debate stage than DeSantis. And I say this as someone, again, I like them both. But when we're just looking at presence on stage, there are some clear differences between the two of them. Final call of the day. Let's go to Antonio in Commerce City. Good evening or afternoon, Antonio. How are you? Good, sir. Uh, on this debate stuff, I, I'm i not even going to watch it no more. My mind's already kind of set. Uh, I'm a Democrat. Uh, it's time to get somebody who did good for this country back in the country. So I'm for Trump. Uh, I'm ashamed of what my my party's done for my party and what what their values are now these days. I'm just ashamed. Interesting. So let me ask you, Antonio, we're tight on time, but what is it about Trump that draws you in? And do you have other Democrats, family or friends who are in the same frame of mind, whether about Trump or about voting for a Republican in general who isn't Biden? Uh, yes, I got family who were all for Biden, uh, and once he got in and saw what he's done, they're, they're Trump. they were totally against Trump. It was always Trump bad, Trump this, Trump that. And now as they got to see who they voted for and who's in office and what he's done for this country, they're, they've changed that. Honestly, I, Interesting. I, I'm kind of shocked, yeah. That, that, so let me ask you, would they vote for another Republican, like if it were DeSantis or Haley instead of Trump that got the nomination, would you guys vote for them over Biden? 
uh, on my family members who are going Trump now, I can't answer that because I don't really talk much politics with them. But for me, I don't know. It, it would depend. Um, I don't know. It's it's kind of hard, you know. Uh, I, I for when Trump was in for those four years, I'm hoping he gets in there and just goes back to what he's done. Like you know what I mean? Like he did good for the country, hmm. fix some stuff. Make these countries pay for the for the debts they were due, you know. So Antonio, uh, I gotta run, but I appreciate your call and offering that perspective. Very fascinating. Call in again. I hope yes, you sir. will. Thank, Thank you, you very much and have a great weekend. That's it for me today. I'm in all next week as well from three to four. And of course tomorrow morning from six to nine. We'll pick it up then. Have a great weekend. Stay warm out there. It's getting chilly and may God bless America. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.